You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome to another week of the Kingdom Keys podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Pride. I'm Maurice Elston. We got Nate Christensen and Price Carter. We are your host here bringing you the king, the keys to the kingdom victory this week for the Kansas City Chiefs. As always, we'll jump right in because, you know, always a key to victory is knowing who's going to actually be on the field. So let's talk injury report. Price, what are we looking like this week for the, the Chiefs and Seahawks uh, as far as injuries? All right. Well, on the Chiefs front, they're looking fairly healthy. Uh, Pete Tweeney tweeted out, this was yesterday's. Given the uh, weather, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. I'm thinking the Chiefs might have canceled practice or delayed it or something because we haven't got any injury news out of Arrowhead yet. But it looks like yesterday, Mike Dana, Colin Saunders, Jody Fortson, and Deion Bush did not practice. Uh, Jody Fortson's got an elbow injury that he's not practiced all week. Deion Bush, Colin Sanders, Saunders, and Mike Dana are all injury-related. Uh, additionally, McCole Hardman was working and practicing. He is still on IR, so we don't get an injury designation for him. If the Chiefs want to activate him, that'd be something they'd probably do Friday, the day before the game, since they're playing on Saturday. Looking at the Seahawks, a little bit more lengthy here. Um, quite a few names and quite a few significant names. Kenneth Walker, uh, you know, was in the play for Offensive Rookie of the Year as running back. He did not practice with an ankle injury. Also, Noah Fant, who was traded from the Broncos to the Seahawks, did not practice with a knee injury. So um, some pretty, pretty significant players there. Uh, defensive end Bruce Irvin didn't practice as well. Quentin Jefferson did practice. He's a pretty good defensive tackle. And then um, another significant injury for that Seahawks offense. Tyler Lockett did not practice with a hand injury. I believe he broke his hand against the 49ers last week. He's not going to play. So uh, pretty significant injuries there for the offense. Oh yeah, them was definitely some significant one. Definitely that locking injury. I think that 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 hurts them. That hurts them a lot there. But I think um we should see that the last thing that Andy came out saying was leaning towards uh what Hardman playing this week or getting activated. Probably won't play a lot, of course, but uh probably get work back in there. Just having him on the field in that motion and, and people having to pay attention to him, I think helps the Chiefs as well. They were saying, what well, did they did they say anything about uh, maybe activating Blake Bell? I know he's in that window with the force to injury. Yeah, I, I would say given kind of how the Chiefs do their uh, usual practice window, Blake Bell's probably a week away, maybe two weeks away. Okay. Um, as far as that goes, they tend to take it pretty cautious. Usually you practice a week, then you get activated, kind of like McCall Hardman last week and uh, Kadarius Tony the week before. So I'd say he's probably a week or two out. But the good news is I think – you know, I, I did a kind of a tweet thread this week about who is the chief that's had the most low-key good season. And, you know, a lot of Colin Saunders were on there, but Blake Bell was mine. Uh, Blake Bell's had a high in receiving yards, um, really come along. Hey, with Noah. Uh, yeah, sorry. Noah yeah, I was like, hold on, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Right, yeah. <laughs> Nate, Nate was looking at me funny, and I was like, what is he looking at? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> Noah Gray. Yeah, Noah Gray's had, um, you know, a high in receiving yards this year. He's really come along as a as a blocker, help them kind of survive the Blake Bell injury. And, um, you know, 
I think he's kind of developed, so I don't think the Blake Bell is a huge rush. Agreed. I agree. I agree. And I know they signed uh, is it Bossman or something. He had a real good preseason with us and got injured right before they signed him back to the practice squad. I forget his name. Matt Bushman. Bushman. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Bushman. Yeah, signed him back. He had a real good fourth preseason game before he got mm-hmm. injured in it. Uh, so our third preseason game, we don't have four or <laughs> third. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he should be – they signed him back to the practice squad, probably kind of, you know, precautionary, like, hey, we need to bring a third tight end. No, we got him right there. So, yeah, so we should see some things with that. All right, let's get into these keys. Nate, we'll start with you, man. What 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 do you feel is a key to um, a Chiefs victory this week? Yeah, I think the – one of the things this week is definitely this is a big week for the offensive line. And there's two aspects I want to cover with this. First is running the ball. Seattle's run defense has been really, really bad in the recent runs here. Overall in the season, they're 28th in yards per carry at 4.9, which is the same as what the Texans were last week. They're 27th over the last three weeks at 5.0. In their last five-game stretch where they've struggled, they're 31st in run success rate on defense. So they're the second worst as successful runs in the NFL 13th overall in the season. But um, that tells you just kind of how bad they've been recently because they were really good earlier this season. And they've had injuries on the defensive line of all year. Al Woods, their big nose tackle is not, you know, might not play this week. Jamal Adams went out during, I believe week one or week two. He's a really good run defending safety and they've missed him. Ryan Neal at safety. Um, he might not play this week. That's another one. So, this is a week where the Chiefs should be able to run the ball pretty easily. The Seahawks have really been reeling in recent weeks and stopping the run. So this is definitely a week I would expect as like Pacheco, Jared McKinnon, in the cold to have a lot of success versus the run. The other aspect of the offensive line, though, is they do have – they're not great off the edge, uh, but they're really fast off the edge. Uchenna Inamosu has actually been quite good for them this year. He has 21 pressures and nine sacks. Daryl Taylor on the other side has 15 pressures and five sacks. They're both very – Speed rush, burst, they go around the corner. So this is a big, big week for Pat to step them into the pocket. Um, the interior should hold up fine because they don't really have a dominant pass rusher on the inside um, who could really kind of affect the pocket. But this is a week where Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley will have to deal with some smaller, quicker guys around the corner, and maybe they'll struggle. But that is something the Chiefs will have to account for. Yeah, to your point, uh, Seattle, 31st-ranked run defense in the NFL. The only team that's worse is the team they just faced, the Houston Texans. We saw the run game be extremely effective last week uh, with Jarrett McKinnon, with Isaiah Pacheco. I think the big thing, you know, and this is going to be definitely true of this game, is the average amount of possessions that teams are having in the modern NFL right now is less than it used to be. Um, You think back to like that, obviously this is kind of the extreme example, but the Rams-Chiefs games back in 2018, how many turnovers they had in that game and it didn't end up mattering. And then you have a game like the Texans versus the Chiefs last week, Chiefs turned the ball over twice, and it felt like backbreakers both times. The Chiefs are just getting less possessions because teams are making them, you know, matriculate down the field with the too high and everything like that. So I think the running the ball is a great it's a great plan, and I think like it's something that the Chiefs should be able to do effectively. Trey Smith is having a really great late season resurgence here. He has been playing excellent, very quietly. He's climbed into the top ten of PFF's rankings at guard. So Chiefs have two with Tooney and Smith. So he's doing, he's playing really well, really helped that interior uh, offensive line. So yeah, run, you know, run the ball. That just makes all their passing game more effective too. Whenever teams actually have to pay attention to the run and care about the run, 
just opens everything else up. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I definitely feel like running the ball is definitely going to be, be key this week. I mean, we ran the ball like really well last week. We take, we take away the fumble and everything and every running back, I think even a run that Ronald Jones had got in there was, was, a, was a decent carry. Right. So I think running the ball, our interior line has been phenomenal um, in, in run blocking and in screen blocking. So I think both of those would be there. Definitely the screen game with, uh, these two speedy edge rushers coming off the end, I think would be a, a big play. And of course, that's where, you know, Lando Brown, I think Wiley both struggle is with those fast guys. So sure they're going to have to account for that. We probably see a lot of McKinnon just for his ability to, to, to help out in the past game. I mean, he's been phenomenal all season, really. So I look forward to it, man. Hopefully we stick with it. That'll open up the past game, a little bit more play action fake coming in there to pull those linebackers, open up the middle of the field um, for, our, for our tight ends to, to put some work in and Juju to come underneath with that as well. So, yeah, I, I think um, that offensive line play is definitely going to be huge. Let me ask you guys a quick question. Do you think that the Chiefs turnover luck on both sides of the ball, giving the ball and taking the ball away, do you think that there's a chance that they are just have been insanely unlucky and the ball is getting ready to bounce the other way? Because I was thinking back about this. Has there been a single just kind of like bang, bang play that the Chiefs have had on defense this year where the ball just ricochets off of a defender right into the hand of a, another player or the, the the player fumbles right in front of a defender and they just scoop it up? I mean, I just I just feel like there's not been any of those. And the coverage isn't fantastic, but they're there. Like the, the young corners, they're there. Are those coming? Like, Because if the Chiefs are going to start getting the ball bouncing the other way, with how efficient the offense is, they're going to be darn near unstoppable. That's like the only way I can – paint this in a positive way is that the ball's about to bounce the other way the two from the chargers game the second one that the fumble recovery and then that like tipped interception that ended the game that was the only ones i kind of remember being fluky but yeah i i do think the chiefs will start fumbling the ball less i i generally think fumbling is kind of just wonky i don't really think you can do a lot to stop fumbling um and you know i don't know if the chiefs are punching the ball out or nothing like that but at some point they're going to generate more turnovers just because someone will screw up or something. So, yeah, I think hopefully there'll be some regression back to the mean. Yeah, I mean, because, like, you look at the one that Kelsey had. I mean, he got three guys on him. He just fighting. Somebody had a chance really to rip at it like three or four times before they finally got it out. Um, Pacheco's fumble last week. I'm still kept watching to see how that happened. It just seems like the ball just literally just dropped out of his hands. And you could argue for forward progress being stopped on the juju fumble and them just kind of letting it play out, you know, that type of thing. So I think it's been some fluky stuff. And, of course, Price, I know you mentioned a lot of times with the, um, a lot of, you know, three or four come on muff punts that that kind of kind of hurt it. So that's kind of been a race with, with, with Tony being back there or Watson, even with Hardman being able to come back. That should clean that up. So essentially then I think you look at Trent McDuffie and, and, and Williams, I think they're in the top ten. In, in separation yardage from a route. So they're like a lot of receivers are not getting separation. That that turns into opportunities. Eventually they'll they'll get one of their hands on the balls and pop that up in the air and hopefully we're just there to clean it up. So I'm I'm really I really think it turns around for us here going into this playoff. Hopefully really <laughs> hopefully we need it. So let's jump right to you Price then what what's the what's the key right now that you feel like for the Chiefs to win this week? Well um you know there's no more dangerous animal than a cornered animal. And I think that might be what's coming into Arrowhead here. I know that we look at the last five games for the Seahawks. They've lost four of the last five. And you look at it and say, you know, this is a team that's trending the wrong direction when teams are playing their best football. 
Geno Smith was probably a little bit of a fluke, et cetera, et cetera, injuries. And you start to paint the picture of where the Chiefs are, you know, running up to 10, 10 and a half point favorite in Arrowhead. And I, you know, I do think that there is a situation that we're looking at that there could be a blowout potential for this game. But the Seahawks are still a very good team and more specifically a very good offense. They're uh, fourth in the fourth in the league in touchdown passes with Geno Smith and uh, tied for 13th in interception. So good touchdown to interception ratio. Um, they've got the ninth most receiving yards in the league, which is something that surprised me. This is not just a story of running the ball. Um, they're 14th in total yards, seventh in points, and fifth in total yards per play. That stood out to me, the fifth in yards per play. They they still are able to make explosive plays. Um, obviously, you know, we were talking about the young rookie, Kenneth Walker, who's had a great start to the season. Um, 696 yards rushing, nine touchdowns. So if he's finding the end zone pretty successful. We'll be interesting to see if he goes in this game. He's been fighting an ankle injury. He did play in the 49ers game, a little mini buy for them after that game. So I think he probably goes. This one surprised me a little bit. Um, talking about the two wide receivers, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, that's definitely the foundation of that offense. Um, maybe it was just some perception I had in my head. But off the top of your head, if you're thinking about it, who has been the more productive wide receiver the last two years, DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett? I feel like most people would say DK Metcalf. But actually, Tyler Lockett has been uh, the more productive wide receiver the last two years. And if you remember, Geno Smith played a decent chunk last year while Russell Wilson was nursing that finger injury. So um, Tyler Lockett being out is big. He is kind of their go-to guy. Um, he has just consistently been able to create separation um, for a long time. And some of the criticisms of DK Metcalf that led him to be drafted where he was do kind of ring true at some times, right? He, um, it doesn't run the most complex route tree. Um, at times, he struggles to get open in the short intermediate range. Um, that straight line speed is obviously a beast to deal with. Uh, DK Metcalf is definitely the best wide receiver the Chiefs have seen since Jamar Chase. So my big key here is that the Chiefs need to be able to contain everyone not named DK Metcalf, right? DK Metcalf is probably going to get his on some of those contested catches. And, you know, Spags was talking in the interview yesterday that he had considered double teaming Metcalf. That, that's a great idea. I've always been a proponent of double team the best wide receiver, put your best corner on the second wide receiver, the second option to completely eliminate them out of the game. But in this game, don't let Noah Fant, who may or may not play as well, Marquise Goodwin, Will Disley, Colby Parkinson, don't let those guys beat you. The combination of Lockett and Metcalf have 14 receiving touchdowns on the season. The rest of the roster combined has 12, right? So that that's pretty significant. That offense is flowing through those two guys. Do not let them be a part of this game. You know, um, if you can eliminate DK Metcalf and make it, uh, you know, a game where basically you're relying on the quarterback, Geno Smith, to make plays to third and fourth and fifth weapons. I like to choose odds in that. So filter through those guys and don't let the little guys beat you. Yeah, those are all good points. And the fun funny thing about DK is that, like, everything that people are concerned about about DK was right. Just other than the, real, like, other than the neck injury. Yeah, the neck right. injury was a right. lot bigger deal than people want to make it seem it out to be. But like neck his, yeah, neck his positives are just so overwhelming in terms of the size and speed that it, like, it just doesn't really matter much. But yeah, no, Gino's playing really good football this year. Um, I think the biggest difference between like, Gino and Russell Wilson is that Gino like, really throws into the middle of the field a lot, and they create a lot of yak opportunities. But like you said, if Lockett's out, if Fant's out, there's a lot of your separation. There's a lot of your yards after catch are gone with those two, and Kenneth Walker too. Uh, as good as Metcalf is, he's not really a guy that's necessarily going to run over the middle of the field and create a ton of yards after catch. We're kind of on outside going down the field. 
So if those guys are gone, if you force Gino to throw outside more, harder throws outside the numbers, I think he can he can do it, but it's certainly not what makes that offense really, really good. But I'm sure they're still gonna try and go over the middle of the field some. So especially if you're, you know, putting a safety over the top of Metcalf. So picking on linebackers, this is a big week. You know, Seattle's gonna run a lot of play action. So uh, just being smart, uh, having maybe safeties drive down and stuff. I, I would try and force Gino to make uh, throws outside the numbers. I'm um, getting him into third down because if we can get that, I think we're going to be able to beat this offense with how how many guys are out for them. Yeah, and if you uh, just a little trend here for you, this is on the separate side of the passing offense, but the Seahawks kind of topped out at six and three, where it looked like you know they were possibly going to win that division, and then the 49ers came on. Listen to some of the rushing totals for the team in their six and three stretch 235, 151, 136, 213, 87, 158. At that point, they're six and three. Then here comes the losing four out of five stretch 39 yards, 65 yards, 90 yards, 46 yards, 70 yards. So to your point, if they cannot run the ball, they really struggle on offense and they really struggle to win the game when they cannot have an effective play action game. So yeah, this is we're kind of coming back to the same points, right? Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Willie Sneed, or Willie Sneed. Wow. It's been a while since he's played. Legereus Sneed, um, Willie Gay, all those guys in the middle of the field. Like this is going to be a big opportunity for them again to kind of shut down those those middle routes that Geno Smith has been taking more advantage of in the play action passing. And really, I mean, I feel like that's where a lot of offenses have been picking on us that is in that middle of the field, picking on our our, our linebackers and coverage and our lack of uh, of a dynamic safety that really can make up those plays. I think that's really where you miss like a Tyron Matthew, despite his downhill, you know, um, play last year where it was going down. He was very smart in the middle of the field that would make quarterbacks think twice because of his instinct. Right. So I think that's what we're kind of lacking where teams have been attacking. I definitely uh, uh, agree with uh, double teaming. Um, Metcalf, I, I really like uh, Joshua Williams or, or, or Jalen Watson on him just because of the size factor there. I think they lack a little bit maybe in the speed, definitely from a Watson standpoint. But if you can, you know, keep a, a Thornhill or something over top to mitigate that 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 deep pass, I think we could take him out the game. Then you can leave Trent one-on-one, Trent and Duffy one-on-one with anybody else on the outside. And I think we'll be fine and let Legereus just just man that 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 nickelback place where he he seems to really thrive at. But I really think like the middle of the field is gonna be where we gotta we gotta eliminate some of that. And I think if we do that, we'll definitely be fine against this offense. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. But jumping in my keys, kinda, it kind of goes in the line with kind of mitigating that. Um, I think... Geno has had a, had a phenomenal season, definitely starting out because of the run game. And he's one of those quarterbacks that if he has a run game that he can rely on and then be able to pass off the play action and attack the, you know, the middle of the field and things like that, that's where he thrives. But then when the when that leaves and it's kind of put on his shoulders to win the game, 
I think that's when we kind of see the Geno Smith that we've seen all up, you know, prior to this season. So I think pass rush, you know, if we can get them in that third down, that third and long and things like that, if you can get Geno to have to come off that first read and start looking for that second or third option, I think with the pass rush, if we can get there and disrupt them, you know, we'll do a lot. The thing I really want to look for, though, is it's being able to get the pressure with just the four, right, and not having to always dial up the blitz. I mean, we look at the sack numbers, and, I mean, what, we're 43, I think it says, total in sacks right now for the Chiefs, which puts us fourth in the league in sacks. But, the you know, numbers don't tell the whole story. Is the thing behind that is, like, it's a lot of times we have to blitz to be able to get that pressure, you know, outside of Chris Jones consistently winning, who, who's leading the team right now with 11 sacks. The other front, the other people on the defensive line hasn't really been able to beat one-on-one, like beat their man one-on-one. I, I would like, you know, uh, Mike Dana ha- has really stepped up along in the last few games. You've really seen him make some splashes and stuff like that. But outside of, outside of Chris Jones, no one even is close to a double-digit number. You got second in coming in at Frank Clark at five and Dunlap then at four. You got some you got some good pressure for as like Harry's. I think like Kalakas has nine Harry's right now, and like Frank Clark has nine. So they're they're getting Harry's. Um, and, and I think Chris Jones has eleven. So they're they're putting some pressure there. It's just not consistent for us. I feel like without the blitz, but I do feel like if we can get. Gino to have to move to, to to get off his spot to try to actually get to that second and third read and get into his space. I think then we'll actually be able to cause some turnovers because that's when Gino have has to make improv to and do all that and move around. He's liable to throw that ball up and then we maybe can cause some turnovers. But I think it's going to start up front with our with our defensive line and how we can generate pressure with just the four. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Nate actually posted this and it was really helpful. He posted the snap counts of Chris Jones over the last couple of weeks. And or not the last couple of weeks, just this year compared to other years. And Chris Jones has played a significant amount of snaps. Um, the offense right now is like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey go out and do some stuff and be awesome. The defense is like, all right, Chris Jones, go out and do some stuff and be awesome, and we'll just kind of put some other guys around you. Right. So one thing that I will say has been encouraging. We've talked about George Carlock is coming on a little bit later. He had some great reps in that game. Came really close to getting a sack, did not. Uh, you know, some more hurries, which has kind of been his thing. But the Chiefs have been bringing less blitzes of late. I was pretty surprised in this game. And maybe this just speaks to the Chiefs coaching staff who tends to underplay games. And maybe they were trying to hold stuff back. But the Chiefs did actually not blitz a whole lot against the Houston Texans. And nothing about Davis Mills says, like, hey, we can't blitz this guy. You think back to some of the games that the Chiefs have played young, experienced quarterbacks like Malik Willis, Jordan Love. Spags is uh, blitzing 13, if possible. You know, Um, so... I think that that might be in some ways an encouraging sign, sometimes not, because the Chiefs did continue to sack the quarterback the past couple of games, even though they're not bringing as many blitzes. So maybe they're getting closer to getting home with four. Um, that obviously would be a huge sign. You get home with four, everyone can look good. Um, but with that being said, Chris Jones' usage was down last week. We think he was probably fighting some illness. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're going to have to continue to either get home with four or bring pressure. Despite what a uh, keyboard warrior Colin Saunders says, um, the Chief, it's it's pretty well documented that the Chiefs are not getting home with just four. Yeah, to reference the Chris Jones things, here are his snap percentages from the last four years. 58.5, this is 2019. 2020 is 64.5. 2021, 56.1. 2022, 81.5. This is the most snaps he's played in a percentage. It's the most snaps he's ever played in a season, period. And we still have three games left here to go. 
And what I kind of said was the burden and the load he's carrying right now is kind of unsustainable. And I think you're starting to see it more. He's, he's starting to slow down a little bit and there's nothing wrong with him necessarily. But when you play that many snaps, like Aaron Donald's the only guy who can really do that. And Aaron Donald's an all time athlete, like and Jones, again, he's been fine, but I don't think he's quite been as good as he was the first couple months of the season. Uh, about this game particular, Seattle does have two good tackles. Um, it's hard to find one good rookie tackle. They found two in Charles Cross and Abe Lucas in the same class. That's a rarity. If there is one area that they're kind of weak, though, it is the interior. Uh, Austin Blythe is their center. He was our backup last season. Gabe Jackson and Phil Haynes rotate in at, I believe, left guard, um, at least in one of those guard spots. Neither of them are great. Gabe Jackson is aging. Damian Lewis has not been great this year. He's definitely kind of slower guard. So this could be a week that Chris Jones kind of has a resurgence, uh, potentially as he's feeling you know healthier from his illness. But overall, I think you need to rush the four better going into the playoffs. Um, take some pressure off Chris Jones. I mean, even if, even if that means taking him out for a few series a game, I I don't think you can go unless if we get a buy that'll be helpful. But if we have to play wild card weekend and Chris Jones is still at that eighty percent snap mark that's going to be at 900 snaps he's going to probably be close at that's a lot of snaps for any defensive lineman especially an interior defensive lineman so um overall maybe maybe tearing jones down to 50 percent of snaps and just hope you can live like behind it and win games behind it but yeah rushing with four uh gino as good as he's been this year if there's one thing he's probably bad at i wouldn't say he's you know a huge scrambler or he's not going to like move around the pocket a ton so this could be a week the Chiefs are more successful for. And, uh, yeah, I think that'll be a big key for the week. Yeah, I definitely think they need to give Chris Jones some breaks. And I think give him some breaks early, right, and have him, have him fresh in, in that fourth quarter uh, when you really need that that big pressure sack. Definitely going into the playoffs when, you know, when for the most part you're going to have some dominant quarterbacks that, that you – some dominant offenses in, in Miami, the Bengals and the Bills that you're going to have to face. Um, you're going to really need to be fresh in that fourth quarter, you know, when we know it's going to be all hands on decks and a lot of passing going on to to, to keep Jones fresh. So, yeah, I think, I think, I think if we can do that, 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 that will be. Let me ask y'all a quick question. The, the, the Pro Bowl stuff came out. How y'all feel about the Pro Bowl watchers? Y'all feel like the Chiefs had any snubs? Is anybody there? Do you feel like probably maybe shouldn't have been there? What y'all think about that? Um, yeah, I, you know, I think a lot of us still kind of scratch our heads at the Orlando Brown thing a little bit. He seems to get in every year whenever there's players like Ronnie Stanley. Um, Rashawn Slater was injured this year, but he's a name that you could have brought up in there as well. Um, that, that one surprised me a little bit, but he seems to get in every year. I don't know what, what's going on there. It's a third fan vote, a third player vote, and a third coach vote. So apparently people think highly of him. Um, you know, I, for one, was shocked that Nick Bolton was not a pro bowler, tongue planted firmly in cheek. Um, I was told he was an all-pro, uh, you know, pro bowl-level linebacker who's just having a fantastic season. You can criticize the whole defense, but not Nick Bolton. Um, so that, that was odd not to see him there. It's almost like maybe our opinion's a little – inflated of Nick Bolton. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was all pretty fair. I, I, you know, Trey Smith, I think could have been there, but there's a lot of really good guards in the AFC. Um, and typically the way offensive line goes is you get the pro bowl one year after you should have and get it one year after you shouldn't have. So um, like Creed probably should have got it last year. Didn't gets it this year. Trey Smith probably get there next year. Agreed. Uh, agreed on all of that. I think Trey Smith's the only one I probably could have made a reasonable argument for. Um, I didn't take a look at all the defensive lists, so maybe, you know, maybe you could have made a case for Lou Jerry Sneed, but I probably wouldn't have made it, honestly. 
Um, besides that, I think it was entirely fair. I, I think for the most part, it was good to see Creed and Joe Tooney get in. I was worried they weren't. So I was glad at least those two got in. But yeah, I think Trey Smith over Orlando Brown. And then it would probably have been close to the right list. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I was thinking. I was, I was really, I was happy to see Tooney definitely make it. Uh, I feel like he should have made it last year. So um, I, I was happy to see Tooney and Creed. Um, Orlando was, of course, the surprise. I would have rather probably seen the Trey Smith there. Um, I think a lot of tests to the name that that he's made for himself, and the fact that though they give up a lot of hurries because of Patrick Mahomes' ability, you'll never see a lot of sacks giving up next to the to to to, 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 to his name. So, and that's. That's more to me a test to Patrick Mahomes being able to move and get the ball out of his hands than it is the play that we've seen from from Orlando Brown. I thought Nick Bolton might have made it just, you know, for the number of tackles that 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 he's shown, but um, I, I was kind of surprised not to see him on the list. From a from a a fan standpoint, I would have loved to see Snead there, but of course, when it comes to that cornerback, interceptions and turnovers matter, and I think him only being at three and a lot of his a lot of his ability for us is in the versatility thing. Sometimes versatility can hurt you at some of these positions when you got the sacks, you got the tackles and you got the interception, but none of them are huge numbers. So nobody's really noticing all the work that you're putting in. It's the reason I think kind of Snead probably fell to the wayside. I'm shout out to Tommy Townsend. You know, you know, he's been killing it and putting all that stuff came out about his holding this week, you know, <laughs> from cold quiz. So we, we don't, we don't know about that factor, but he's, he's definitely been dominating in the, in the punt game. So I was happy to see him make it as well. Let's um let's talk score prediction. What 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 are you thinking this week, Nate? From from a score prediction standpoint, what how you think this ends for? Yeah, I this game probably would have been better about like a month ago, maybe six weeks ago. I think it would have been more intriguing. Um, with Seattle, they're just not healthy enough offensively right now. That Lockett injury is such a big deal. Well, he's just such a good player. Um, Kenneth Walker being hurt. Um, you know, I, I don't think Seattle is necessarily bad on defense, but. They still don't really have any star power. I don't think they have any game changers outside of maybe Tariq Wollen. And even then, he's just a rookie corner. You can, you know, avoid throwing at his side if you need to. Um, like Price said, they're desperate. They have to win this game this week if they're going to make the playoffs. It's a good coaching staff. Pete Carroll's a good coach. So they're going to have a smart game plan. They're going to play hard. But in the end, I think the Chiefs are too talented. This is their last really big test for the playoffs. So I think we're going to get a good effort overall. It'll be really cold this week. I think that, you know, the Arrowhead crowd will be there. I think that'll be an advantage. So I have Chiefs winning 34-27. But I I don't think it'll be a game where it's, like, super frustrating. Seattle's a solid, good team. But I think the Chiefs overall play well enough on both sides of the ball. I just think it'll be kind of a high-scoring game. Yeah, uh, I like you in the 30s for the Chiefs. Um, I, I agree. A lot of times we think cold weather suppresses scoring. It's not usually actually the case. Uh, wind suppresses scoring, but not necessarily cold weather. Um, you think back to that AFC championship game that was miserably cold against the Chiefs and the uh, Patriots. That was a high-scoring affair as well. Um, I've got the Chiefs 31-29 over the Seahawks. I Look, man, I, I would love to pick the Chiefs big here. I think there's a lot of reasons to do it. We talked about the ball bouncing the other way. Chiefs getting some of their best playmakers back on offense. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of reasons to do that, but I, I just cannot pick this team big until they some, they shore up some of the things that are costing them, which is special teams issues. Been there all year, whether it be in the kicking, returning game, the turnovers, and the defense. You know, um, the you know, I agree, lock and injury is huge, but I just I just cannot take the Chiefs to go in there and blow someone out. I think the offense will move the ball with ease. I think you're right. They're, they're ready for some home cooking. They're ready to be home. I think it's a good time to be home. West Coast team starting at noon 
is usually a pretty uh, significant advantage for teams like that because it's 10 a.m. their body time. So all those things play in. But, you know, the Chiefs defense just has a way of making it impossible for them to cover the spread. I'm going to take the Chiefs, but not by a lot. Oh, I'm going to go the opposite. I think this I'm going I'm going to put my hand on this is the week that the Chiefs put it all together, offense, defensively and special teams. So I I, I think the Chiefs put up a 40 ball this week. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go big on that. And I think the the absence of turnovers helps our defense. I think our defense has given up. But if you look at last week's game, the, the Texans only drove the field the one time that first that second drive. And then after that, the other two touchdowns came off of off off a of bit in their in our own in our own side of the ball from a turnover for two turnovers. So I think we eliminate that. We clean it up. I'm going to go 42 to 17. I think we I I, I I think the Chiefs is going to put it all together. I think they got something to show finally and show you we got this together. I think all hands will be on deck. I could be wrong. I think we win no matter what. And, and if it's a close game, it, it, it is what it is. But I, I'm going I'm going big this week. I'm going to say 42-17. Let's see the Chiefs put it all together. I commend you. Yeah, I commend yeah. you for putting put it, put it on the line, man. I, I don't know. I know no one's holding me to – I wouldn't put no money on that. Now, let me tell you that. I, I, I ain't confident yeah. enough to put no money on that yet. But, yeah, it's, but, it's, not like, it, it's not like anyone's holding you at gunpoint or anything, right? Right, no, right, right. right. So yeah, well, you know, maybe you know, maybe put some money on it and you make out with like a heist, you know, make a, a bankload of money. I, I I would. I'll be howling at the moon when I do it. All right. All right. We'll appreciate y'all tuning in. This is another week of Kingdom Keys. Um, join us next week. We'll have have some more keys to the Chiefs victory, and we'll see y'all soon. Make sure y'all follow us on Twitter at Arrowhead Pride at Price Carter at Nate CH thirty two and at Reese Nicholson. We'll see y'all soon. We out. We'll